You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Happy Halloween, everyone. Welcome to the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Matt Emanuel. So as of recording, the Ghosts and Ghouls have not come out, but by the time that you're hearing this episode, uh, you'll already have a uh, belly full of candy. Uh, so, Manny, how are you doing? No, not quite. I think I'm, I'm, I'm planning on releasing this on Halloween. Oh, are you? Yeah, that's my goal. For- for maximum spookiness. For maximum spookiness. So I'm going to try and probably get this out by about lunchtime, so prior to them heading out to go trick-or-treating. So they, they might good. not have a belly full of candy if I get on top of my shit. Something to listen to while you're uh, taking the kids around the neighborhood door-to-door, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so before we get into the thick of things, I uh, believe that uh, it is around this time that we usually tell people where they can find us on social media. Oh, that sounds like a good call. So they can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manny Movie Podcast. If you want to listen to us uh, anywhere else besides the website or something, you can download us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Luminary, on Stitcher, and on Spotify. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a couple free seconds, why don't you give us a little five-star rating over there on iTunes? It will increase our profile and allow more people to find this lovely little podcast i'm discovering two mistakes i've made right about now uh, as we've uh, started recording oh what's that uh one is that uh we decided to record this after game six of the world series concluded so it's a little bit later yes um which is i am feeling the effects of right now and uh <laughs> num- number two is that i didn't have a second cup of coffee today so this should be interesting oh interesting <laughs> And I'm, and that's funny because I'm going to be leaning heavily on you this episode to carry most of the most of the uh, most of the hard work. Yeah, that was your mistake. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, we also wanted to give a thank you to a couple people, did we not? We did. We want to thank everyone for voting and making this episode uh, possible. And a huge shout out to uh, Sam's friend Reeve, who I have uh, have not had the pleasure of meeting, at least to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the one that nominated this uh, this year's fan-requested horror film for episode 79, which was and is Hereditary. Yeah, last week on air, I gave, gave Reeve a little bit of flack uh, for nominating a movie that I knew that I was going to be absolutely horrified by. Uh, seems totally his speed, so I was kind of pissed off about that. But a genuine thank you to the fans and to Reeve, of course. Um, and, well, Reeve for nominating and the fans for voting in its favor. Yes, very much so. I I, uh, I, I really enjoyed the feedback. And again, uh, to Ashley, Tiffany, and Abby, you guys can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> You're really dying on that hill, hey? Yep. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Let's get started. 
we have Hereditary, which was, whoops, my bad, uh, released on June 8th, 2018, uh, directed and written by Ari Aster, starring Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, and Gabrielle Byrne, uh, has an 87 Metascore. It had a budget of $10 million. It grossed 44 in the U.S., 79 worldwide. The plot, a grieving family, is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. Samuel, your spoiler-free thoughts on Hereditary. So, spoiler-free thoughts on Hereditary. Yeah, as as I've just alluded to, I kind of knew coming into this movie that it was going to be horrifying. Manny and I have been teasing for weeks that we both are not particularly big horror fans. Um, I do not typically enjoy horror movies. I do not typically i mean i see the appeal of them but i'm not one of these people who likes being scared actually in a total segue manny and i were talking about roller coasters before we came on air tonight oh, we and i realized that i'm not a fan of those either i think i just might not be an adrenaline junkie uh, so uh i was coming into this movie with high expectations for the craft of it but kind of low expectations for my enjoyment and that was more or less correct. It's a, it's a pretty well-constructed movie. I, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. With that being said, I think I watched the last 20 minutes of it through my fingers. I'm a little baby. <laughs> uh, I uh, did not enjoy the tension that was ratcheted up at the end of this movie. But in all honesty, it was it was pretty well-constructed. I know we're not uh, particularly big fans of Rotten Tomatoes here, but I just wanted to list these scores off for an illustrative point. Um, the critic consensus is 89 on Rotten Tomatoes uh, and 65% audience score. I think that's kind of indicative of how the horror community feels about this movie because when it first came out, uh, I remember there was so much marketing that was like, this is the best horror movie ever made. It's so good. And then a lot of people that I've talked to just um, <clears throat> uh, just personally say that it's, uh, it's not that great. You can kind of skip it. And I, I think it's because... This movie is really well crafted, it's well shot, it's well acted, um, but um, people who are fans of more traditional horror movies, at least in my personal experience, my, my uh, friends that I talk to regularly uh, haven't really found enjoyment in this. So um, it was sort of a um, polarizing movie, I guess that's the, that's the word I'm trying to look for here. But yeah, I, I enjoyed aspects of it, didn't enjoy other aspects, but we will uh, get into the specifics uh, in the spoiler section. Manny, what, what were your thoughts? I pretty much almost echo your thoughts completely. Uh, this was an incredibly well-crafted film, and that astounded me. So I will be keeping an eye on Ari Aster's future films. <sighs> I, too, was dreading watching this movie. I, like my compatriot here on my podcast, or sorry, our podcast, that was shitty me to say. Uh, <laughs> Not the first time either, but go on. I know, right? That's my narcissism <laughs> leaking out just a little bit. That's no, all right. You're on the show here. <laughs> that, that, that is true. Yeah. I am second build, though. Yes. Yes. Which my narcissism can't stand. Um, just kidding. <laughs> uh, the... I share your sentiments. This is an extremely well-crafted film. The I was not looking forward to watching it because I'm not a fan of horror in general. And I was actually really impressed by the technical aspects of this movie. And I totally get why fans of the horror genre didn't like this movie because it's not your typical horror film. This is very... 
I don't even know what to really call this. I I think a lot of horror fans don't like this because there's next to zero jump scares. Like, is there even a jump scare? I don't even think so. And I, oh, that's maybe a spoiler, but whatever. It's, it's still a horror film. He ratchets up the tension. He makes it creepy as fuck. And yeah, the, the ending, we'll get into the ending when we get into spoilers, but I was with you. There was, there's one moment that definitely scared me 100% terrified me. Yeah. I'm not a fan of jump scares. I, I do find them kind of cheap. It's one of the reasons why I think Jordan Peele's movies have sort of gained, uh, well, his style of movie making, I, I shouldn't really call it his style, but the style of movies that Jordan Peele has is sort of um, what's at the vanguard of the horror genre right now. Movies like Us and um, and a, a movie I just watched recently and talked about, It Follows, is another one that doesn't uh, use too many jump scares that's um, very well regarded in critical circles. I think a lot of uh, horror movies being made today are being made for critics, which might be to the um, to the benefit of people like us who are movie snobs, but maybe not to the benefit of people who are diehard uh, traditional horror fans. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I was, I definitely was, I enjoyed this film more than I anticipated, but the enjoyment was mostly of the craft of the filmmaking than the film itself, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. There, there were some moments where I was like, wow, the, the, framing of this scene is really good or well wow tony collette uh, totally acted her pants off in that scene um there, there was a few moments like that where you just had to tip your cap at the actor the director whoever but uh the the plot in particular i i felt if we can get i guess go to the flip side a few things i didn't like about the movie i uh it felt pretty loosely connected i i didn't feel like i had a coherent sense of like cause and effect like, I, at the end of the movie, I was left thinking, like, wait, so why did this person... Well, I, I can't really describe the cause and effect without getting into spoilers, but th- there were just a few moments that that didn't feel too connected to me, and I didn't really... I, I felt like the movie was never really wrapped up in a neat little bow, I guess. Which isn't always a terrible thing, but I would have liked some things, you know, explained, I guess, a little bit more in depth. Maybe maybe I'm alone in that. No, I'm I'm pretty sure we're on the same page there. So why don't we get into spoilers so we can kind yeah. of dive into that a little bit deeper. So Sam, why don't you take us into spoilers? For sure. So if you have not gone to see Hereditary, please go do so. Uh, you have been warned. We're going to be spoiling it from here on out. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Here we go. Um, so what I am talking about, actually, as long as we're able to spoil it now, is um, <laughs> there were some moments such as um, the daughter, her name is Charlie, uh, her death I felt very accidental and very uh, loosely connected to the whole uh, pagan demon uh, possession thing that's going on elsewhere. Um, and it's also somehow loosely connected to the grandmother's death, death in the beginning. It's just I, I never felt like I had those events connected properly. You know what I mean? Because I feel like the supernatural events are already uh, sort of put into place with um ellen's death which happens before the movie starts um and then charlie's death just feels like coincidental but this is already when there's supernatural stuff going on i don't know i just didn't feel like i had really a coherent sense of cause and effect all the way through or i could have just missed something but I, I'm, I'm not sure was there supernatural stuff prior to millie uh, charlie's death well 
already at like the the clue that I had that was sort of tipping me off right from the beginning was uh, the note that uh, Tony Collette's character Annie finds in her mother's things when she says, uh, "I'm sorry that I couldn't explain everything that's going to happen to you, but just rest assured that it's all for the greater good." So it, at that moment, I sort of was already looking for supernatural things. Oh, oh well, and, I didn't clue in on that at all. Oh, and you know what? Um, Annie also sees she sees an apparition of her mother at one point, which also scared the shit out of me, by the way. <laughs> but she sees an apparition of her mother in the dark room and then turns on the light and it disappears. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. again, there's a lot of... Um, that's another thing I didn't even touch on, the non-spoiler, but there's a lot of things in this movie that are metaphors for mental illness. Like, a lot of this movie is about the effect that mental illness has. It's right in the title of the movie. It's called Hereditary. And I mean, there's that great scene of Annie explaining all the mental illnesses that all of her different family members have had. So I think some of these things were sort of explained away as like, oh, her seeing her mom was like mental illness. Um, but then, you know, I don't understand all the... <clears throat> what am I trying to say? I think I, I just didn't get a clear sense of what was real and what wasn't i didn't get a clear sense of the cause and effect between events and i think parts of that some things being left ambiguous were maybe intentional but i it it felt confusing at times fair enough i I can't disagree am i making sense you are you are to me yeah because i've seen the movie (laughs) that's right um uh, the one thing I want, the one huge, huge bonus I want to give this film is, mm-hmm. but it has to do with the marketing. Had you, I know that you go in not, not watching any trailers. Had you ever seen any trailers for this movie? I think I had seen uh, a couple when it came out back in the day. I, I didn't really pay too much attention because, nope. again, me not being a horror movie fan, I, I wasn't, like, amped for this movie or anything. I remember it being marketed as, like, uh, one of the scariest movies of recent memory or something like that. But, um, yeah, I don't really recall too much. Okay. What I really want to get into, because I didn't see it coming, was Charlie's death. The tra- oh, yeah. The trailers completely lead you to believe that she's a major part of this film. Yeah, I, I totally thought that too, because when, when she did die, I was like, oh, are they going to bring her back? Like, I, I yeah. was trying to sort of formulate ideas for, like, how she was going to, how it was going to work. And then after, like, three or four minutes i was like damn she she's actually gone <laughs> she, yeah they actually uh, just killed her i was off. like is she dead i'm like why why is why is peter just leaving her like i was like what is going and then they show the fucking decapitated head i was like is this fucking pet cemetery like are they bringing <laughs> this little chick back to life like what the fuck's going on yeah i uh i actually had uh on the note of uh charlie's death i had written down if, if you recall in the funeral uh for ellen uh her dad comes up to her while she's eating a candy bar and she says hey are there nuts in that uh and she says no and i had written down on my notes nut allergy important underline 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 and then i kind of patted myself on the back when she started having an allergic reaction at the party mm. but it was not that that killed her could they have found a more brutal way to end her life by the way uh that her head getting hit i i I honestly, maybe it's because I was so appalled by the thud that I didn't notice that her head came off. Yeah. Um, I have two notes about that kind of thing, though. Number one um, is Peter didn't get charged for her death. Yeah, that's 
like at I, all. I, like, I honestly I hadn't thought about that. But that there yeah, is a strange. decapitated kid that they don't they don't try to hide the body. So it's it's public knowledge that this kid was killed by decapitation. And Peter, who's high, <laughs> high on drugs, there's no repercussions for those actions. Even in an act, it is an accidental death. Mm-hmm. But but it, it was due to carelessness. Yeah. But that's just a thread they didn't want to go down. That that's, I I that's a minor nitpick. That's not what this movie's about. But yeah. I, I can't. I, yeah. I I'm surprised there wasn't even a scene with the cops involved. Yeah, that's that is strange. Now that you mention it, because I mean, there were so many kids at that party who he was smoking weed with, and so many kids he was drinking with. Like someone was gonna say, yeah, he shouldn't have been driving that night, and then boom, that's a life sentence right there. Yeah. But, um, and another side note is it's, there's not one of those kids at the party made any mention that this little tiny girl is at this fucking party. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see that too, but I'm kind of glad they didn't go down that route. I'm glad it wasn't like a typical, uh, he brings her to the party. She gets made fun of and, and that sort of thing. We didn't have to see a scene of her getting bullied yep. or anything like that. And that that would have felt a little bit um a little bit stale in my opinion. So is it bad of me to say that it's probably still a good thing that Char- Charlie died? She's fucking going down the <laughs> she's going down the fucking serial killer path, chopping <laughs> yeah, heads off sure. of fucking birds. The yeah. kid was fucking creepy as fuck. Yeah, that's one creepy goddamn kid right there. I have it right here. She's a serial killer. That's one of my <laughs> notes. That's that's one of your notes. One of my notes, yeah. It's it's a well I shouldn't say a well known fact obviously but it it's I, I know yeah yeah sorry serial killers Continue. abuse animals and she goes and cuts the head off of a fucking bird she's a fucking yeah. serial killer in the making <laughs> good riddance Charlie good riddance Charlie I'll, I want I'll to make what, a, though, uh, <laughs> I want to really... make another really bad joke right there but we already have very few listeners as it is. I, I will say that Millie Shapiro in her film debut as uh, Charlie uh, was, was – I, I liked her. She was really creepy. That was totally the intention, of course. Spectacular. Um, did, did well uh, dealing with the prosthetic. Apparently, she's a Broadway actress. She's like a musical theater actress. She um, won a Tony. Yeah. 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 So uh, good on her. Yeah, film debut. Was, yeah. I, 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 I liked her in her limited screen time. I loved all four of the main actors. Uh, yeah, well, Gabby, I mean, let's get, well, let's talk let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? I mean, Tony Collette, like we've <sighs> talked about her, we talked about her once on the podcast already for Six Sense. Yep. Um, this we we were uh, we were totally over the moon about her performance in uh, Six Sense, but this one arguably better. Um, <sighs> I mean, certainly certainly more uh, to do, and certainly a lot louder. I'm gonna go. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, give me one second. Talk about Tony Collette a little bit more. Well, yeah. What I was getting at with the point uh, where she just has more to do in this movie, her performance in The Sixth Sense, uh, if you haven't seen that already, uh, by the way, go watch it and then listen to our episode on it. Um, but in that movie, she has a lot of really reserved scenes and a lot of her just like trying to cope and keep everything bottled up inside. In this movie... She is not 
her character is not doing a good job of bottling up her emotions. Her character <laughs> is losing her goddamn mind, and it's great. Like, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. She just has a lot more loud, screaming, yelling scenes, um, with with a couple of exceptions. I mean, I like the uh, the scene in the support group. Um, I think is an awesome bit of acting as a yes. transition from her being so reserved and walled off and not wanting to talk about anything and being defensive um, to her just flat out opening up and flying off, not really flying off the handle, but uh, talking about her mother and uh, opening up about the grief. It's just, there, there are so many good scenes in this movie. She has an excellent, excellent performance. There, there was Oscar buzz for her for this movie, honestly. I can't even disagree with that. I don't have the... I have actress them. List in front of I have right them. Now. That's what I want to look up. That's why I asked for for you to go for oh, a little okay, bit. Okay, for sure. So, yeah, uh, who do you who do you have? Okay, I I'd heard lots of Oscar buzz for performance in here, and I'm quite disappointed that she didn't get the nomination. Here are the nominees for uh, best actress that year. We have uh, Yalizia Apricio for Roma, right? Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Glenn Close. She won, right? Glenn Close yeah. for The Wife, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me. Now, I've only seen three of those performances. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Glenn Close in The Wife and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me. Me neither. I don't know if they could be better than this performance. Yeah, I, I, I agree in with all, you on that one. In all honesty, like let's say Melissa McCarthy and Glenn Close are better. I would have no problem dropping Yalitzi Apricio or Lady Gaga for this performance. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I, and that's saying a I lot liked, because I, I love Ro- Lady Gaga. I liked Roma a lot better than you did, and even I probably I would I would it could be argued that Tony Collette deserved the nomination over them, but she was never going to get it because this is a horror film and horror films don't get nominated for anything unless it's Silence of the Lambs or Get Out or The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um when you originally said that this was a better performance by Colette than The Sixth Sense, I immediately wanted to disagree. <laughs> but I don't it's, it's a different kind of performance. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I could. I think I I I my heart wants to say no. My head wants to agree with you. <laughs> and I think my my heart wants to say no because that that final scene in The Sixth Sense is so powerful to me. And gets me every single time. I have a hard time letting go of it. But her overall performance throughout this film is superb. Absolutely superb. Yeah, I've I've three scenes written down right now that were standouts for Colette. It was uh, the one I just described about her at the, the yeah, group, group. Uh, therapy session. Uh, there's immediately after Charlie dies, uh, she just fucking wails. Which I mean, like she she cries her guts out it's only a brief brief little moment but i liked that and then there's the scene between her and peter at dinner where she flies off the handle at him as well for not being able to take responsibility for her death mm. i actually all three <clears throat> all of those scenes just totally blew my mind i didn't think you were going to pick the crying scene i thought the three scenes were going to be the support group the dinner scene and then when she's begging um oh yeah when she's, she's beg- begging yeah she's begging steve to Be- throw the book in the fire yes those are the three yeah. scenes i thought you were going to pick that's a good one too. I'll throw that one on there. Four scenes. All right. Um, <clears throat> speaking of, oh, okay. Well, let's move on. Uh, you know, we're praising Tony Collette. Gabriel Byrne 
which is funny. <laughs> he almost has the the standard uh, female role for most films, as he really doesn't have a lot to do. <laughs> he doesn't really, does he? No, but the things he does do are, are really well. And is Steve the most patient husband of all time? Yeah, well, I I love I do love his performance in this movie. And you're totally right. He's he's super super patient. And the scene we were just talking about where she's begging him to throw the book into the fire, I love him in that scene because he just looks so sick of it. He yeah. doesn't believe her at all. Yep. He just looks so fucking fed up with all of it. Oh, to- I totally agree. It is he, – he's really good. He's, he's so perfectly cast. Um, and then uh, Alex Wolf is Peter. Uh, I've never seen him in anything uh, – Prior to this, uh, I heard he was on a show with uh, Gabriel Byrne, I think, on HBO. <clears throat> and uh, he's he does a, a good job as Peter as well. Like I said, the four leads are spectacular in this film. Uh, Alex Wolf was in Patriot's Day. Uh, he was? Oh, my God. He plays the fucking terrorist. <laughs> uh, he was also in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Haven't seen it, won't see it. Yep, and he's also going to be in the next Jumanji movie, which I also won't see. Um, but yeah, uh, Patriots Day. He was. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that guy. Yeah, sure. he he was. Yeah, he was. Fuck, he was really good in that. God damn, I like Patriots Day. I I haven't seen that one still. Is that uh, <clears throat> is that Mel Gibson? No. Oh, sorry, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg. Right? Yes. Yeah, you're thinking okay, of the Mark. Patriot. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> which has a blatant rip-off oh no not blatant but a, pr- a pretty big rip-off there's a scene in it that's a pretty big rip-off of last mohicans i'll take your word for it okay um, um well what did you think of alex wolf you liked him in this movie i did really i, I liked him a lot and mm-hmm. uh now knowing that he was in patriot's day i know exactly as soon as he said i know i know exactly who he was and like i like i said he was really good in that movie so He's another performer that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. He's, uh, yeah, he was really, really good. Uh, side note, am I skipping it all? Because there's been a couple moments where you've uh, cut out for a second. No, nah, you did earlier on, but nothing that I was concerned about. All right, cool. Uh, but yeah, I liked uh, Alex Wolf as Peter. I, uh, like, a few scenes that I liked from him, his in-class episode where he freezes up and uh, smashes his face on the desk, and then he has this huge freakout. Again, uh, all of the actors in this movie have at least one moment where they can sort of uh, fly off the handle and go a little bit crazy, and I think that was probably him. I've got, probably uh, is, I've got a note on that scene where he breaks his nose. Yeah, sure. Um, in an interview, Alex Wolf explains that he wanted to actually break his own nose for the scene. <laughs> Dir- uh, Director Ari Aster respectfully declined the offer and told Wolf they gave him a soft cushion desk for the scene. When it was time for the scene to be shot, Wolf slams his head into the desk only to discover that the top was foam and the bottom was hard. He dislocated his jaw, which <laughs> is a previous injury the actor has had for the scene. Oh my god. Actors are fucking nuts, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm look. I'm I've I've had my nose broken twice. I would never do it willingly. <laughs> That's why you're not in hereditary. That is correct. That's why I'm sitting I, here running my mouth about a, a hereditary. I also just wanted to give a shout out. His uh, his reaction shots after uh, killing Charlie are pretty chilling for me as well. Yeah, yeah. He's like I said. These 
these four leads. I, well, I guess technically, I guess Millie Shapiro wouldn't be a lead. She would be supporting. But the four main characters are are so good. Like th- those actors are, are great. I've already, you know, ra- raved on about Tony Collette even prior to this episode. But now I see what everybody was talking about when it comes to this movie. Um, and Dowd as Joan. Uh, l- let me ask you something. Did yeah. you did you trust her even for a single second? Nope. <laughs> That was that was something that I, I didn't quite like about this movie, um, or at least about her character in particular. Uh, it, it sort of seemed like it was supposed to be not necessarily a twist, but like a revelation when it turned out that she was friends with uh, Ellen. Um, that seemed totally telegraphed. Like, as soon as Annie looked down at the floor mat and went, hey, my, my mother used to make... Uh, used to embroider stuff like this that i mean i already had my suspicions at that point but that it felt so obvious at that point not to mention the fact that when she's selling her on the idea of a seance she sounds like a fucking snake oil salesman yep so yeah they they left a few too many clues in the movie in my opinion that she was a bad guy but i i liked her performance nonetheless yeah she was fine yeah she was fine i i she was she was middle of the road for me. Like I didn't think that she was bad. I didn't definitely didn't think she was good. She's not on the same level as the four main characters. Uh, you said off the bat that you thought the sort of star of the show was the craft. Uh, did you notice like what sort of visual things? Do you have anything uh, you wanted to touch on specifically? Actually, as far surprised- as, like, cinematography or anything, editing or anything? No, actually, not really. Um, I just found uh, the the. I didn't have anything spoiled, but I kind of had the the main notes for this movie set up prior to going in, so I knew that this movie was only was made for only ten million dollars. So that was pretty astounding to me. Yeah. Um. No, there, there. I, I won't. I just found. I guess it was. I guess it was Ari Aster's storytelling ability or his direction, the the way that he was pulling these performances out of everybody, and how in especially towards the end he was ratcheting up the tension appropriately but the cinematography was neither here nor there for me i didn't find it great i didn't find it bad it was middle of the road um <clears throat> the editing was fine i didn't again the score was the score was a bit of a highlight for me but not Again, it's a, it's a score. Like I wouldn't be able to hum you part of the score right now, but it definitely ratcheted up the tension for me while I was watching. It's funny as I talk about this, I don't feel like I'm really. <sighs> I found the movie to be well made, and yeah. I I think I'm cutting. I think I was cutting it a lot of slack because I I real I found out that prior to going in, how low the budget was, and for a ten million dollar movie, this looks fantastic. I think that's where I'm kind of giving the praise for Ari Aster for making such a well-crafted film on such a tight budget. Yeah, no, that that all makes complete sense. I actually want to touch on the score before I forget uh, while we're on it. Uh, I, I liked it mostly. Again, I listened to it uh, today in its entirety and didn't really notice um, didn't really notice anything that really stood out. I, I like the instrumentation of it and stuff. Did you notice a weird change in the score at the end, though, in like the last five minutes of the movie? No. It, it took me out of the movie, actually, when he's walking towards the treehouse. Um, for most of the movie, the, it's a lot of, like, some synth, some strings. I think there's, like, a bassoon that's featured a lot in there. But it goes to, like, this really crazy 
80s-style synth lead mm-hmm. as he's walking towards the treehouse. It was, like, really weird. It took me out of the movie, and it sort of... It sounded very happy as compared to the rest of the composition. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I, when I was re-listening to it today, it still felt weird to me. There was, like, one track that sounds completely out of place. Interesting. No, I, I never noticed. I think maybe yeah. I didn't notice because I was like, this ending's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, and again, I was I was totally watching uh, the ending, so uh, the well that I had. Hence why I noticed it so much. Um, as far as the cinematography and the editing went, um, the only thing I really wanted to touch on was uh, one thing I love about uh, horror movie directors mm-hmm. is uh, the way that they the way that they build tension. It's always so interesting to me. And it feels like, uh, what was the director's name? Is it Ari Aster? Is yep. that it? Yep. Nailed um, it. Feels like he's really uh, gotten this down to uh, to a science. Because all, all he does to create tension, it's actually surprisingly simple. All he does is either withhold information from his characters or withhold information from the audience. That's it. So, like, um, the, the one example I had for him withholding information from characters is when we're shown... Annie uh, up in the ceiling yeah. for like a, a good portion of the end of this movie. Fuck he, that. He withholds that information from Peter for so long. It is so painful. Yes. You just, at that point, you just want him to die. You're like, please just attack him so this tension can be over. Yes. And it's, uh, it, it's really, really effective. Yes. And I like, that's, that's where his direction, I like, I tip my cap. Yeah. Like, I'm like, just, I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that jump scare <laughs> where she just jumps off the wall at him and it never happens. She's just perfectly in the background, creeping me the fuck out. Fuck that bitch. Because, again, even as somebody who doesn't like horror, that's why I don't like jump scares is because the tension is the whole point. The scare is the whole point. Once you do the jump scare, the tension's released. It's over. The moment's over. Mm-hmm. But he draws it out for so long and it's so effective. And then, of course, with him, um, I said he withholds information from his audience. What I mean by that is that there are so many countless times in this movie where all we see, like we know something bad has happened, and all we see is a reaction shot. All mm-hmm. we see is somebody looking at this terrifying thing. And he will focus on somebody's face being horrified for a few seconds, and then it'll cut to whatever it is that they're looking at. And it'll sort of increase that tension in your mind, like what the hell happened? What is he looking at? Uh, sort of like when uh, Peter takes a moment to look into the back seat and see what happened uh, after uh, Charlie's death. Yeah, and I wonder if it's the, I wonder if it was, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, a conscious decision by Ari Aster, or yeah. was it a budgetary decision? It with it could only, be a combination of both. I with think. it only being a ten million, you know, would it would it have been? cost prohibitive to show a decapitated Charlie in the back or was it a conscious decision for him to just do that I'm going to lead towards it being a conscious decision because I want to I want to praise Ari Aster but it's the same thing it's the legendary story of why we don't see the shark in Jaws forever because the Mm. fucking thing wasn't working when Steven Spielberg (laughs) was trying to film the movie it didn't work so he had to figure out ways to make the shark there without the actual shark being used yeah, and it's one of the many amazing reasons why that film is so good. A happy my, accident. One of my favorite stories about uh, 
editing like this in a, in a horror movie is uh, Hitchcock. You've probably heard this story before where he he's just he's sort of giving giving a film lesson. And he says that if you film two people having a conversation for 10 minutes, it'll be boring. Of course, Quentin Tarantino hasn't heard this story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, you fi- if you film somebody, if you film two people having a conversation for 10 minutes, it'll be boring. But if you reveal halfway through that there's a bomb under the table, it becomes interesting all of a sudden. Yes. That's sort of how I felt in the filmmaking in this movie. Uh, Tony Collette and Annie in the ceiling was sort of the, the bomb under the table, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. That is a great quote. I, for, I actually had forgotten about it until you said it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I do. Hear, oh, that's such a great quote. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and not speaking in his delicious British accent. Yes. But, yeah, more or less. That's do what you says. have a British accent? What's that? Can you do a British accent? I. I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of trying on air. <laughs> Spectacular. Thank um, you. I guess those are kind of really the only actors that are worth kind of talking about, I guess, hey? Yeah, those, pretty small cast. Those five? Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't I only really have two more notes uh, mm-hmm. on on the film. Please. Okay. Um I, well, I'll three, because I want to say this again, because it was the part that really creeped me the fuck out. Didn't scare me, creeped me the fuck out, but she was on the fucking wall. <laughs> well done. Like, again, $10 million budget. I don't know how they... I'm sure it was done pretty easily, um, but it was so well done. Just like you said, creeped me the fuck out. But that moment, when she comes out of the closet or whatever to chase Peter, I was honestly scared. Yeah, fuck that. Like I had, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, it's probably, I had a surge of adrenaline, like a surge. Like I had this wave of cold run through my body. Like I was genuinely scared. That was the only time I was scared. I was definitely creeped out throughout the movie. Um, Again, fuck you, Reeve. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you asshole. But that that moment genuinely freaked me out. Like completely freaked me out when she went running after him. I, I actually forgot to mention. I was gonna say this off the top. Totally forgot. About an hour before I watched this movie, I was already sort of like hyping myself up, knowing that I was gonna be scared. I was doing laundry down in the basement of my apartment building, and I swear to God, I did a double take and thought I saw somebody there, and then I looked back and there was nobody there. <laughs> and I totally freaked myself out. And then when the scene came up where uh, Annie thinks that she sees her mom in her room, well, her mom's there in the dark, and then she turns her light on and it isn't there, chills just through my entire body. Just I was like, <laughs> just shat myself instantly, just so scared. Yeah. Um, question for you. Yes. How did you how did you watch this movie? Uh, Netflix. Netflix. Lights o- lights on or off? I had I had one lamp on to write notes. Gotcha. I and had, yourself? I had the living room lights off, <laughs> kitchen lights on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not a lights fully off kind of person when it comes to these. I I am physically incapable of it. Yes, I am. I am as well. I f- fully admit to being a complete and utter little bitch boy. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, again. Fuck you, Reeve. <laughs> and fuck you for the uh, f- fuck you for everyone that voted for this movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a group effort. Um, there's one scene that super creeped me out that um, I, I wanted to touch on as well. It's uh, it's Annie sleepwalking, 
and uh, and telling uh, what's your son's name? Peter. Uh, yeah, Peter. It's Annie sleepwalking and telling Peter that uh, she ha- she wanted to have a miscarriage when he was uh, when he was or when she was pregnant with him, oh, and then fuck. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're both wet, and it happens so quick. You're like, wait. Is he like sweating? And it cuts over to her and she's like drenched as well. And you're like, what the hell's happening? And then she lights a match and you're like, oh, she's it's paint thinner. She's going to murder them both. And then it turns out she's still sleepwalking. That whole thing fucked me up. I hated that. I I was so creeped out by that. Yeah, I'm with you there. It was, again, it's just a, a tip of the cap to Ari Aster and his storytelling. These are the moments I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's his storytelling ability. Um there was apparently, like, uh, as we've said time and time again with these kind of films, there's a much longer cut um, of the film, but he chopped out a lot of just the family dialogue. Yeah. Um, I, I also, on the note of dialogue, by the way, I just wanted to say right off the bat of this movie, I was super impressed by how efficient the dialogue was. Yes. Like, like first scene, like th- there's not a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of silence in this movie, save for a few large monologues from Annie. But right off the bat, it's in Peter's room. He's asleep. His dad comes in and says, here's your suit. Boom. Right away. Audience knows we're going to a funeral today. Yep. And then and then he says, do you know if your sister slept in her room last night? And that, again, raises so many questions. Where is she? Is she OK? Why wouldn't she sleep in her own bed? That's dialogue done well. It exposes the uh the setting and the mood and then it also asks a couple of questions it like right off the bat i was so super impressed by the limited dialogue in this movie and how how uh efficient it is yeah it's it's again just a a a tip of the cap to the to the film well to the writer and director who is the same person yes uh anything else you want to talk about i think that is just about everything i have the ending is fucked Oh, yeah. Ending's fucked. Fucked. The end. <laughs> fucked up. The last ten minutes are fucked up. Mm-hmm. Super creepy with him in the attic. And that, when he's up there, I'm like, the way they frame the shot, I'm like, well, he's jumping out that fucking window. I'm like, it's the only way out. Yeah. And then he survives. And I thought when he was... Yeah, what is it? When he gets up, he's already Pison or whatever the Pyman. Uh, Payman, pa- I think. Payman. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets up, he's Payman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the the light sort of converges on him, like that little light that's been following people around and guiding people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I do like him. that that light. There's a couple moments where it like goes down a hallway and then centers on itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm making yeah. this motion with my hands that our listeners can 100 percent see. Um. It looks I, like you're apple picking right now. It does look like I'm apple picking yeah, in reverse. That's the, that's the hand motion. That I'm, he's I'm, making. I'm putting the apple back. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, it's it's there's two instances I can remember seeing it, and I th- it's such a minor special effect, but I really liked it. I thought it looked, I thought it looked cool, and then that that light going on Peter to make him Pyman. I won't lie, was really uncool. <laughs> it, it didn't it look really uncool it wasn't the those two shots of them d- going down the highway it made it look like a wave like a wave of energy yeah and then when the light goes on peter to turn him into pyman it just looked like somebody was almost shining a flashlight on him and i was like that's unfortunate 
<laughs> yeah, we also see it in Charlie's room at one point, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, or maybe a couple of points, I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, the... It was it was creepy and fucked up and the, it just kind of felt I don't know disconnected in a way I don't know it felt weird to the ending felt weird to me yeah well that's sort of what I was trying to get off at the bat I, I'm not really finding the right words maybe you can help me out with this but I I didn't feel a great sense of closure not that you need closure in every ending but I didn't feel like. I left the movie with a good grasp of what I had just watched. Yes. And like, not, yes. In, not in a good way. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't come away from this movie feeling like I had a good understanding of all the events that had just taken place. Thank you. Yes. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't really understand, um, the, I don't know, the, the cult aspects of it and how it connected to the, possession aspect of it and how it connected to charlie's death and how it connected to ellen's death those those bits like i I did some reading after the fact that kind of clarified some things but not really i'm I'm still feeling a little hazy on it like it's a it's an excellent ride like we said it's a well-constructed movie overall and well acted and lots of lots of tension in it but for whatever reason i just kind of felt like there was something lacking in the um, in the overall construction of the plot for whatever reason. Yep, I hear you. I totally yep. hear you. I, I, yeah, I, I don't have... Actually, you know what? The uh, the one, the other thing I loved about this movie, um, and I could... I, I can't, I'm not going to say I could... I'm not going to say I could tell for a fact as I was watching it, but I started to feel that that was the case, and then doing the research after turned out to be true... Almost all the effects are practical, which is super cool. Yeah, like the you know like the chalk on the chalkboard practical effect, like done with like magnets. Magnets, yeah, yeah, okay. right. Which is super simple when you think of it, but it still looks cool. Yeah, and like like I've stated numerous times on the podcast, I love practical effects. I do love uh, on the note of the chalk effect. The first time we see that. Uh, it's during a seance, and uh, Tony Collette does what any of us would do in that scene, which is look under the table yep. to see if anyone's operating it, and yep. the camera follows her down there. And I, I don't know, I just thought that was a really cool little camera move that uh, that was sort of could have uh, flown uh, under the radar if it wasn't noticed. Yeah, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all I got. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look through here real quick. There's some stuff about Charlie being creepy, but we kind of talked about her already. Super I have creepy. one, one itty bitty little nitpick right off the beginning. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine. It's not really a huge deal, but the fact that the opening shot of the movie that we see is, uh, Ellen's obituary. It's just, it's just a title card with her obituary on it. I don't get the point of that. The op- the shot after that, which is like a pan through all these miniatures and uh, dissolves into the shot of Peter's room, is really cool. And I wish that we would have just started on that because the obituary doesn't give us any information that we don't find out in like the first five minutes anyway. So it's just sort of a, a it feels like a crutch for some filmmakers to just put up a title card uh, and just be done with it. But we find out all the stuff that's in there in the first five minutes anyway. So just do away with it. Tiny <laughs> nitpick. Fair enough. I'm I'm a fan of nitpicks. It's just how I feel. I like it. Also, um, I, I've been trying to find a way to sort of 
broach this topic because it's tough, but it it's very ambiguous in a way. If we're going back to sort of how we were feeling kind of unclear on certain things mm-hmm. for a moment, um, it feels sort of intentionally uh, ambiguous with certain things, especially with like um, Annie uh, being the one to desecrate the grave. It's not really uh, shown for sure that it's her. It like it could have been some like. This movie acts uh, as a metaphor for uh, mental illness in a lot of ways, and for that reason, it's really unclear if Annie's mental illness is the cause of certain things or if these hauntings are the cause of certain things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I never, I never thought it was Annie that desecrated the grave. I thought it was the cult. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose that would have been true, but. Yeah, I don't know. For, again, that's just one of those things that after the fact, I just kind of felt a little bit unclear on it. But yeah, again, I, Annie, Annie is shown to be legitimately unstable. Like she almost killed her entire family by setting them all on fire. Yeah. Like she's legitimately dangerous and unstable. So it didn't seem far fetched to me that Steve, her husband, didn't believe anything that she was saying and then also accused her of uh, digging up uh, her mother's grave. It seemed plausible to me 100 percent plausible. plausible yeah 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 i wasn't sure if they were trying to leave that a little bit open-ended or if they were trying to uh say for sure it was the cult but yeah that was that was one other thing i wanted to touch on i i don't have anything i i just had a feeling that it was the cult mm. yeah generally when there's a satanic cult in a movie and there's some bad stuff that happens i think it's probably a safe bet it was a satanic cult you're probably correct manny Maybe. Who knows, right? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, do you have a favorite scene that you have uh, handy? I, I have some trivia notes for you first before oh, we get there. Sure. Let's do that. Cool. Okay. Uh, like you mentioned before, uh, Tony Collette um, actually originally didn't really want to do this movie, but when she saw the script, um, she couldn't turn it down. Yeah. Um, in Peter's first scene at the school, the words escaping fate – is on the chalkboard with the teacher discussing it. This is a reference to Halloween, the original Halloween, where the main character discusses the same thing in class. Appropriately, this movie was released the same day as the trailer for Halloween. Ooh. Uh, Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf, um, uh, G- sorry, Gabriel Byrne played Alex Wolf's dad previously in the HBO TV show In Treatment. They have joked that every seven years they're going to play father and son. <laughs> That is pretty funny. Uh, Ari Aster started building a network of potential collaborators for this film years before the project had even been greenlit. He reached out to composer Colin Stetson two years prior to production even beginning. Got his man. Yep. Um, here's something. Uh, during the support meeting, Annie recounts her brother's suicide at age 16 and states that his suicide note blamed their mother, Ellen, for, quote, Putting people inside him. Though Annie chalks this up to a schizophrenia, it could very well be that Ellen originally attempted to conjure, conjure Pyman through her own son. His death, and her failure to summon Pyman, would then explain why Ellen put so much pressure on Annie to have children and why Charlie stated early on in the film that her grandmother wished she was a boy. That's, that's the sort of rich world-building and attention to detail that really makes the difference. Yeah. Um, when Peter and Charlie are on the way to the party, the cult's logo can be seen carved into the pole that later decapitates Charlie. Sorry, uh, you sort of cut out with that one. I, I didn't quite hear that. Uh, when Peter and Charlie are on the way to the party, 
The cult's logo can be seen carved into the pole that later decapitates her. So maybe that's one of the pieces that I'm missing that I'm so confused about. Is, uh, Charlie's death felt very unintentional and accidental to me, and it wasn't clear to me that it was indeed connected to this cult. So yeah. maybe it was planned all along. Um, this is what I mentioned earlier on. Hereditary's advertising campaign has been created for keeping Charlie's death a secret from viewers, notably by showing Millie Shapiro prominently in the trailer, even though Charlie is alive for only one quarter of the film. This deliberate mislead is similar to the horror classic Psycho, where Janet Lee was made to look like the star of the film, only to be murdered one-third of the way through. Spoilers for Psycho. <laughs> if you haven't seen Psycho at this point, that's on you. Yep, yep. Um, the 1960 version, not the 1998 or whatever. One way that Ari Aster pitched the film when he was first taking it out was, it's a story about a long-lived possession ritual told from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb. Whoa. Yeah. Um, During the party scene, just as Peter enters the bedroom to smoke pot, some kids are watching a black and white video on a laptop of someone being beheaded on a guillotine, foreshadowing the film's multiple beheadings. Man, what is it with uh, this movie and beheadings, by the way? That's crazy. I know. Uh, During her funeral speech, Annie mentions that there are many strangers at the ceremony. It is later revealed that her mother was a cult member. The strangers at the funeral were members of the cult, some of whom can be seen in and around the house during the film's final act. Aw. And the last one, this made me giggle. Charlie is eating a dove candy bar when she cuts off the bird's head. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking gross. Anyway, All right. Favorite scene. You asked me to go first. I shall. For sure. me, it's the dinner scene where Annie loses it on Peter. It is an acting tour de force all around the table. Annie, played by Tony Collette, is superb. Peter, played by Alex Wolf, his reactions, like his quivering face as both the anger and absolute devastation of his own mother saying these things to him is overwhelming. And Gabriel Burns sitting there raging inside. It is yeah. a superb scene for me. You know what I love best about that scene, actually, is uh, the the dialogue, the way that it's written, sounds so natural. There's one line, I have it right here, that I just love how natural and legitimate it sounds. This really sounds like a woman going off on her son and just mm-hmm. not knowing what to say. All I do is worry and slave and defend you, and all I get back is that fucking face on your face. Yes, yes. That sounds like something an angry mother would say off the cuff. Yes. Just something that's been boiled up, like she can't even find the words. That fucking face on your face just sounds <laughs> so authentic to me. I loved that. It's a good pick. It is. Thank you. Thank you. And Samuel, your favorite scene. Uh, mine's gonna be the group therapy session. Oh, I well, uh, I love the w- I love the way it's constructed. I love the way it's shot. Um, a large portion of it is just um, it, it's almost one take. It's just uh, a, a long, long zoom in on Tony Collette as she's slowly um, kind of letting all this stuff, all this baggage off of her. And uh, we we find a lot of exposition in the scene. We find out a lot about her family and about the mental illness and the things that have affected her. Um, and yeah, it's just a really well constructed scene. I think the camera work in it is uh, subtle but very good, and the acting is uh, beautiful. So that's my pick. All right, final thoughts on Hereditary. 
So final thoughts on Hereditary. Again, I don't actually see myself rewatching this movie anytime soon. If I do, it's going to be around Halloween <laughs> uh, with friends with lights on because uh, <laughs> it is one scary fucking movie. It, it scared the pants off of me. The ending is fucked up. Um, I'm glad that I watched it, much like our conversation before we went on air about roller coasters. I am usually glad that I go on them after I go on them, even if the experience themselves or the experience as it's happening is horrifying. That's much, much of what this movie is. Um, that and it's uh, fantastically acted. Tony Collette uh, arguably should have been nominated for an Oscar. Did you hear that? I did hear that. You saw me put my phone on the other side of the room, right? I sure did. Man, I just got fucking chills. For, for, <laughs> I don't know if that caught on the microphone, but Siri it, just like fucking activated. My phone's on the other side of the room. Hundred percent. I'm expecting to turn around and see Tony Collette in one of these corners right now. Hundred hundred percent. The mic picked it up. If that, I uh, if I heard that, it, then our our listeners definitely heard it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, um, so before before I get murdered by uh, a, a vengeful spirit, I just wanted to close out by saying it's. Uh, very well uh, crafted movie all around, and I am going to go check my phone and see if I'm about to get murdered. One second, all Manny, right. your final thoughts on this movie? <laughs> Min- oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Hereditary is a very well made movie, especially for the budget. Um, I love the way that Ari Aster tells his story. He did release another horror film uh, this year called Midsummer. I heard it was super scary. Uh, I won't watch it. I want Ari Aster to make a regular film um, so I can watch it again. Uh, I am, like you said, I am glad I saw this saw this movie. I was impressed by what I saw. I don't like being scared. I will never watch this movie again. Uh, I shouldn't say never, I guess. The chances of me ever watching this movie again are slim to none. I'll put it that way. Uh I I did enjoy it. It was definitely I see the praise it gets, but for your standard horror film fan, I understand why they didn't like this movie. Um, yeah, very uh, very heady movie. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't uh, Why don't you go first with your rating, then? I will. I'm gonna give Hereditary a three. A three. All right, solid. I, I, I can. I, I think I'll have to echo that. It's going to be a three out of five for me as well, because I would definitely recommend this to fans of the horror genre and people who like good films in general. But personal enjoyment, uh, maybe, maybe a three is even generous, because I, I spend most of this movie watching through my fingers. <laughs> I there's no way I could give it a two because it wasn't a bad movie. So I, I yeah, could absolutely not. There's it no way I could not give by it a any two. stretch a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, both threes. I I, uh, I actually predicted you to give it a four. I th- I thought the technical and storytelling aspects would uh, would be something that you uh, would elevate it for you. But again, uh, the, the all... pants shitting this weighted out. Yes, yeah. But again, like I always, my predictions I always put in before we even start recording. So mm-hmm. if if as soon as you gave your opening thoughts, I was like, my prediction's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I won't change it. I'll stick with my original prediction. <laughs> How ballsy of you! I know, right? So, so that's it. We did it. We, we did Hereditary. We did our uh, we did our Halloween episode. We survived our Halloween episode. Well, I mean, maybe maybe well, so far. I, I'm, I'm I, still, su- I survived. I'm checking over my shoulder right now for Annie. I survived. 
Yeah. So uh, again, thanks to everyone who uh, who voted and nominated movies. This got a lot more response than our previous uh, fan request episode. So yeah, this was this was surprisingly fun. Uh, choose something a little nicer next year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely gonna do this uh, again next year. We'll do another fan request horror movie for next year. Um, definitely. I would really appreciate you guys uh, choosing something a lot nicer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I know that uh, my friend Doug nominated a movie I definitely would love to watch again. Uh, it has perhaps, in my opinion, one of the greatest trailers ever made. It's a uh, it's a French horror film called High Tension. So if anybody wants to see what a great trailer looks like for a movie, check out High Tension. Anyways, that's just me uh, sputting off. Uh, I'm we're we're 365 days away from having to do this again. No horror movies for a year. I'm in on that statement. Okay. So for those of you listening, again, I would love it if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes. It will increase our profile. And if you're ever sitting around talking with friends, a little chit-chatting about podcasts, why don't you say, hey, I listen to this podcast. It's called the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. Get some more people listening to us. We'd love to uh, add some more listeners to our fan base. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. And you can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. If you want to shoot us an email, it's sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Sam, what's going on next week? Next week, we are going to be recording. Uh, so this week, it was our annual Halloween episode. Next week, it's going to be our annual Remembrance Day episode where we talk about a war movie. That's going to be Fury. Uh, so yeah, episode 80 Fury coming out next week. Nice. Well, that wraps it up for, uh, for Sam and I. So for the Samuel Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.